And death could not hold the bell tore before you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are rolling, the grace of your glory, for you are ready. 
powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, I was reminded this week of a story in the Bible where Jesus sends the disciples across the lake after they just fed 5,000. And as he comes walking, the disciples see him on the boat, see him walking in the distance, and they become scared, and they call, they cry out to the Lord, and Jesus basically tells Peter to get out of the boat. And as Peter gets out of the boat, he begins to walk on water, which is miraculous. But then the wind and the waves set in, and the Bible says he begins to sink. And I don't know how many of you out there this year feel like you've stepped out of the boat in 2020. It was going to be your year. And as you begin to take a walk on the water, per se, you begin to sink. But the beauty of this is this. Peter cries out and says, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And immediately, it says immediately Jesus reached out his hand. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand. So I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know what you're going through or what situation or what circumstance has you feeling like you're about to sink. But the good news is this. The good news is this. You could do like Peter. You could cry out to the Lord Jesus. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. This lockdown's come again, Lord, just as I felt like it was, it was over, Father. The depression's about to set back in. Lord, save me. Father God, my job's closing down. Lord, save me. And again, Jesus will reach out just like he did for Peter. He will save you. So I don't know what it is that you need or where you're at where you feel like you're about to sink. But the good news is, is Peter didn't sink and Jesus reached out his hand. So wherever you're at this morning, whether you're at home, you're listening in your car, we're going to pray because we are believing and we are declaring this morning that Jesus is going to save. Father, we just thank you, God, that so many years ago you saved Peter, God. And just like then and just like now, Father, we are reaching out to you, God. We are crying out to you this morning, God, to save us, God. The depression is is maybe setting back in, God. The anxiety may be setting back in this morning, God. Whatever it is, God, our finances may be, may be beginning to sink, Father. Save us, God. Our jobs, whatever that looks like, Father. Our health, save us, Lord. We are believing, we're declaring, God, that you are a good God. And we just saying what a beautiful name you are. You have no rival. You have no equal, Father. And we just believe this morning we are declaring over this situation, God. We are declaring over these circumstances, God, that you will save us and we will not sink in Jesus' name. Everybody, wherever you're at this morning, come on, let's give Jesus a big amen, a big shout of praise. Let's give him an, an ovation of worship this morning because he is a good God and there is no equal. Come on, Jesus, we thank you. We are so grateful that you are tuning in with us this morning, wherever you are at. We are so thankful that you are here, that you are present, and we love you. And if you want to know more about who we are as a church, it's very, very easy to do. So we have a Newport Church app that you can download. We also have a website. You can go on the web, go to our website. We have so, all our social media platforms. You can connect with us. And our mission as a church is to connect people to Christ 
to their God-given purpose and to life-giving relationships. And our position is to be here for you. We want to be here for you no matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at in your walk with Christ. And we just love you, and we are believing and thanking you for everything. And um, I'm going to actually welcome our senior pastor, Jonathan Wilson, to the platform. So thank you so much, church. Thank you. Awesome. Well, so good to, uh, to uh, continue to meet and gather, whichever way it may be, whether you're joining us online or whether you are out in the parking lot area. It's a beautiful sunny day there. We have some tents set up. We have coffee being served. My opinion, the best coffee in, on the West Coast. And uh, we'd love you to join us next week if we are continuing to be in this uh, purple tier of the COVID restrictions. We're going to continue to be streaming online. We're going to be continuing to meet outside for those that want to join us outside. I, I'm putting forward that we, we serve some food, maybe bacon and egg rolls or something like that. I think I'll be sitting out there next week if we do that. Um, but we'd love you to join us. It's an opportunity to connect with people. And, uh, of course, we're going to practice all the protocols and so on and so forth. But we'd love you to be, uh, we'd love to connect with you also. Let's stay connected in this season, church. Whatever restrictions may be there, so important we stay connected. And, of course, I want to wish you, before I forget, a very happy Thanksgiving this Thursday and despite what's been happening in our world, we've still got a lot to thank God for. And let's keep a thankful attitude and a thankful spirit through this time. Well, we've been uh, in a series called Great Grace. And I want to continue with that series today. And uh, I, uh, I'm going to take a moment to just share with you, uh, share the word with you this morning and uh, the title of my message this morning is The Grace of Giving. The Grace of Giving. I'll never forget the time that I had my first encounter with Jesus Christ. And it transformed my life. I had a literal vision of Jesus. And I became acutely aware of my sin. And as I stood before Jesus, he stood there in this vision with his arms open wide, and I was overwhelmed with the most pure and intense sense of love that I had ever experienced in my life. I felt that God was, Jesus was accepting me exactly the way I was, even though I did not deserve to be forgiven. I sensed the grace of God. And as I sensed the grace of God, I was acutely aware of the extravagant generosity of God towards me. And what that brought out of me was an overwhelming sense of gratitude that I've had over the last 42 years. And I want to keep that sense of gratitude. I want to keep stirring that sense of gratitude because I have so much to be thankful for. 
You see, wherever there is great grace, you will always find generosity and gratitude. Grace, generosity, and gratitude all go together. When we sense God's grace, we understand His amazing generosity. And then out of that comes a sense of overwhelming gratitude. When Paul spoke to the Corinthian church, he encouraged, he, he commended the Corinthian church for a number of things, five things that they excelled in. And I want to highlight those this morning and talk about how they relate to us personally and how they relate to our generosity. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 7, this is what we read. But since you excel in everything, who would like that on your report card? Since you excel in everything, they were doing well. He said, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you excel in this grace, the grace of giving. He said, you're excelling in faith, in your speech, in your knowledge, in your earnestness, or your zeal, and your love. But I want to encourage you that you also excel in this grace of giving. Interestingly, Paul calls it, Paul's giving, Paul calls giving a grace. And he says that we should all excel in the grace of giving. Not just some, but all of us. Now, the Bible talks about several gifts, and I want to take a moment to look at that, because whether you know it or not, you have been given a specific gift by God so that, and the grace for you to function in that gift. Romans 12, 6 to 8, this is what Paul says. We have different gifts. In case you're wondering, this guitar is not for me to play today. I don't have that gift to the level where you would appreciate what I play. But we have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So he highlights seven gifts. And whether you know it or not, you have one of those gifts, or you may have a combination of a few of those gifts. But there are some gifts that you will excel in. He talks about prophecy, um, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and mercy. And each one of us will have an ability in one of those areas. God gives us a special gift, grace, for the gift that He's given to us. And one way you can tell, I want to give you five ways that you can tell what your gifting is. Five is the number of grace in the Bible, interestingly. And so, the first thing is ease. How do you know you've got that gift? It's because you have an ease about you. It comes naturally to you. Secondly, anointing. We're going to be good at it. We're going to have an anointing for the gift that God has given to us. Thirdly, joy. We love doing it. If you have a gift, you're going to love doing it. 
Fourthly, energy. We are going to be energized by the expression of our gift. And fifthly, fruit. We're going to be successful at it. So we know when we're flowing in our gift, when there's an ease, there's an anointing, there's a joy, there's an energy, there's fruit that comes from it. And Paul, the Bible talks about giving as one of those gifts, that giving is one of the gifts. Uh, one in seven people, if you go statistically, are going to have the gift of giving. It means they have an ease about giving. They, they, they have an anointing to give. They enjoy giving. They're energized by giving. They do it well. They're, there's great fruit out of what they give. And so uh, all of us have a specific gift. But Paul is talking here beyond that. He's saying that although some may have the gift of giving, all of us should excel in the area of giving. Why? Because we have all received the extravagant grace of God. We've all been recipients of the amazing generosity of God. And we all should have, if we've had an encounter with God and with Jesus, an overwhelming sense of gratitude out of which when gratitude flows in our heart, how do you know when someone is flowing in gratitude? Because generosity flows out of their life. And so Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and he's speaking specifically about an offering that they are going to take for the church in Jerusalem. And in a sense, this syncs with the uh, concept of our thanksgiving offering, which I will talk about after the message, and which I want to encourage our whole church to be a part of at whatever level or capacity uh, you are able to do so that this can be an overflow of our gratitude towards God. And I'll highlight and talk about some of that towards the end of my message. But Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and he's telling them, I want to encourage you to complete what you made a decision that you would do. We're taking this offering for the church in Jerusalem who are in great need at the moment. And not only is this an offering to meet their need, but it's in a sense an opportunity for you in Europe in the, as a part of the Greco-Roman world who had been evangelized by the apostles and specifically Paul who had traveled all the way to Greece. This is an opportunity for you to give back to the church in Jerusalem from which the message of the gospel of God's love and God's grace flowed. It's an opportunity for you to give back. And whenever we give, it's an opportunity for us not only to overflow in thankfulness to God, but also to do what previous generations have done for us in paving the way for the generations that are to come. So, the opportunity to excel was given to each and every one of them. And Paul highlights five things. And I believe that those five things are not disconnected from the grace of giving. They are essential ingredients if we are to excel in the grace of giving. And I want to look at those five things and how they are connected to us, each and every one of us excelling in the grace of giving. The first thing he talks about is faith. Faith. If we're going to excel in the grace of giving, then we're going to need to excel in faith. It's impossible to give without faith. 
It's impossible to be generous without faith. It requires faith to give when we're aware of our own needs. And Paul highlights in the letter to the Corinthians that the other churches, many of whom were in great need themselves, despite their need, they gave out of their place of need to others' need, and that required great faith. Giving generously requires faith when we're aware of our own needs. I love the story in the Old Testament about the prophet Elijah. And Elijah uh, was by a brook that God had sent him to, and he was being fed by ravens. Doesn't sound very appetizing to me, but ravens were bringing him pieces of meat. I don't know what pieces of meat they were, but I don't want to go into that right now. But the brook dried up, and the word of the Lord came to him and said, Go to Zarephath. There's a widow there who's going to provide your need. Now, if I was Elijah, I would have thought, Well, if I'm going to go to Zarephath and someone's going to provide for my need, I would be hoping that it was someone who had an ability to meet my need. But God tells him to go to someone who obviously is not going to have the natural ability to meet his need. And out of that encounter, a miracle takes place. And this is what happens. Elijah goes there. And as he goes there, the woman is by the town gate. She's a widow. And she's collecting, gathering some sticks. And he asks her, would you give me a little water from a jar so that I can drink? And as she's going, he calls to her and, 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 and he says to her, oh, and by the way, please bring me a piece of bread. Her answer and Elijah's response to this is a key to the miracle. She said, as surely as the Lord gives, uh, as surely as the Lord lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. In other words, I only have enough for my last meal. And Elijah said, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. The jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So here's the, the key point to this story. It required faith for that woman to give the little that she had when that was all that she had to Elijah. And her response was the key to the miracle. Elijah said, first give some to me. It was a test of her faith. But as she gave of that, and as she stepped out in faith, it released and triggered the miracle that she experienced during that time of drought and that time of famine. And so it required great faith for her. If we are going to excel in the area of giving, it's going to require faith. The whole area of tithing in the church, to give the first tenth of everything that comes 
into our lives, whether maybe the first time we hear it, we, we, our response may be, are you serious? But God is serious because He knows that when we do that in faith, it releases something in the spirit realm that causes the windows of heaven to open. And God promises He will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon us. It requires faith. It requires faith to give our offerings, to give what we could have or could hold on to for ourselves. Believe you me, we all have more need sometimes, or there's more things we would like to do in our lives than we have capacity for. Doesn't matter how much you earn, we're always going to live in a world where maybe our vision is beyond our resource. But here's the thing, it requires faith. And I, I believe that if we're going to excel, we need to have that kind of faith. When I was in Chile, the first time I went to Chile in South America many years ago, I heard a, fr a phrase or a saying about, uh, 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 called that someone had a mano de guagua. Mano is hand in Spanish. Guagua in Chilean is the slang word for a baby. In other words, it's a, it's a phrase that you, is used about people who hold on, who hold on to something and won't let go. We've all seen a baby. A baby will hold on to something. There's no way you can get it to open its hand and let go. It has not yet learned to share. And so if someone says, tiene un mano de guagua, it means he, he, has a, he, he has a tight fist doesn't know how to give. And so if we're, going to, if we're going to be giving, if we're going to excel in the area of giving, we need to have that faith. I love the passage in Proverbs 11, which says, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So, it's saying if we release, we're going to be blessed. It requires faith. The second thing is speech. If we're going to excel in the grace of giving, then we're going to need to excel in our speech. Generosity requires us to align our words with God's Word. So easy to align our words with what we're reading in the, in the media, what we're seeing on our TV screens, what the cultural environment is, what we're hearing people say all around us. But if we're going to excel in the area of giving, then we need to align our speech, align our words with God's Word. Hebrews 11 and verse 1, I love this verse, says, By faith we understand that the universe was framed by the Word of God so that things that are seen were not made out of things which are visible. God framed the universe. He spoke the universe into being. And you and I are created in the image of God, which means that our words carry life. Our words carry power. Our words have creative force within them. And so, if our words are generous, we are going to create an, a world of generosity around us. What does that mean? It means that the atmosphere of my life is going to be one that has an overwhelming sense and prevailing sense of generosity. 
not just in my words, but in my actions and in my giving. If our words are stingy, we'll create a stingy world. If our worlds are filled with, words are filled with love, we'll create a world filled with love. If our words are hateful, we'll create a hateful world, regardless of our circumstances. If our speech and our words are filled with faith, we're going to be creating an environment filled with hope, with possibility, with generosity, with optimism. And so for us to excel in the grace of giving, that is going to flow out of our lives. You know when you come into contact with someone who is excelling in the grace of giving because whatever flows out of their life is positive, is generous, is energized with life. Jesus was forever speaking words of life and faith that taught his disciples to do the same, to speak words of life and faith. And he was looking for words that would help them to frame the world that he was created, creating. He wanted the disciples to learn how he spoke, to talk like he talked, to be able to speak words of faith at Caesarea Philippi when he asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? He was wanting to get them to communicate what was happening, uh, what people were saying, but he wanted them to communicate what was in, in, in their hearts. He wanted them to say what they were doing to create their world. And so he said, who do you say that I am? He wanted them to say, he got, and then Peter said, you know, some, they were saying, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets, Jeremiah. Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That was what he wanted to come out of their speech. I love the story of the loaves and the fishes where uh, there was a huge crowd of people. John 6, 5 to 6, Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked him, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, this is what came out of his mouth, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke. This is what came out of his mouth. There's a young boy here with five loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? And Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. What was coming out of their mouth, out of Philip's mouth, came words from a place he was looking at what they didn't have. Um, Peter spoke with a little bit more faith about what they did have, five loaves and two small fishes. But he added, that's never going to be enough. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus thanked God for what they did have and received what they didn't have, enough to feed 5,000 people. Our speech is going to determine the shape of our world. It's so easy to say when it comes to our lives and when it comes to our world, it's so easy to think and to say, what difference can I make anyway? What difference does my giving make? What difference does my generosity make? The need is so great, there's no point. I love what Mother Teresa said. She said, 
of the work that they were doing in India. What we are doing is just a drop in the ocean. But if that drop was not in the ocean, I think the ocean would be less because of the missing drop. I love that. Some of you may have heard the story about the starfish on the beach. It was a a story that was originally written in 1969 by a lady by the name of Lauren Iserly. And it was called a, it was a 16-page essay called The Star Thrower. And the story goes that an old man was walking along the beach one day, and on the beach were thousands of thousands of starfish that had been washed up on the beach. And there was a boy that was picking up starfish and throwing them into the sea. And the man looked at the boy and, and, and said, asked him what he was doing. And the little boy, without even looking up, simply replied, I'm saving these starfish, sir. And the old man laughed. He said, there are thousands upon thousands of starfish and only one of you. What difference can you make? And the boy picked up a starfish, threw it into the water, turned to the man and said, I made a difference to that one. But then the story goes on. The man left, and he was ready to tell the story to his friends about what he'd experienced. And he said, what happened after that was the boy continued to throw in the starfish one by one. And then some other people walking along the beach began to join him. First of all, a a mother and her two children, they joined. They started throwing the starfish in. And then some more people came, and some more people came until a small crowd was there. They were all throwing the starfish back in. Then someone came to bring them food, and then someone told the local media, and the media showed up with cameras uh, showing what was happening on the beach. And then a marine biologist came along, and the marine biologist began to do a study on, uh, thought, I need to do a study on how we can prevent starfish being swept up onto the beach. And then there was a, a, a local council member who thought this was an opportunity for him to gain advantage politically. And so he, they started a Save the Starfish program in the town. And as a result of that little boy who was making a difference in just one of those starfishes' lives, a whole movement began that changed the, the, the destiny, if you like, of the starfish that were being washed up on the beach. That's the kind of difference that we can make. One of the people that I'm, I love to work with and is a great friend of ours, Bijou Thampi. My wife, Di, is on their board, Vision Rescue. He works with kids in India, many of whom, most of whom live on the streets, that they rescue off the streets and they feed them and educate them and give them health care and, and give them a future and share the love of Jesus with them. And uh, he is working amongst some of the most uh, disadvantaged people on the planet. To give some perspective, um, every year in India, current statistics given by UNICEF, 880,000 children under the age of five die of malnutrition every year. The figures are, are staggering. 65 million people in India live in slums. And 47% of children in those slums are malnourished. And so Bijou is basically working with those children one by one, helping them 
out of an impossible situation. It would be very easy for him to say, what difference can I make with all of those children? And of course, he's not the only one and not the only organization working with kids on the streets in India, but he's making a difference. And we're partnering with them. We, th this year, are sponsoring 20 children uh, in a classroom, a whole classroom of kids that we're sponsoring for food and education and shelter and, and health care and, and, and being given hope and life through the gospel of Jesus Christ and also life skills training and sports training and so on. For $300 a year, we can support one child for a whole year. That's less than a dollar a day. And so he's making a difference, and it's so easy for us to think, what difference can we make? But we need to change our speech. We need to change our verbiage. We need to change the way we talk, because in fact, we can make a difference. And I want to encourage you today to say to yourself, to speak to yourself. Anyone ever speak to yourself? Yeah, we spend too much time listening to ourselves. We need to spend more time speaking to ourselves. That's worth writing down if you're taking notes. Say this to yourself, I do make a difference. I am making a difference. I will continue to make a difference. Third thing is, if we're going to grow in the excel in the grace of giving, we are going to need to excel in knowledge. There's a very telling verse in the book of Hosea in the Old Testament, chapter 4, verse 6 where God says about the nation of Israel, for my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge of my law where I reveal my will. Because you, the priestly nation, have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being my priest. Since you have begotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. What God was saying was, they were being destroyed because they had forgotten their purpose. The knowledge of their place as a nation that had been set apart. Their knowledge of the, their position as a nation that had been created so that through that nation, as the promise came to Abraham, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The privilege that they had of knowing God like no other nation knew God that had been given to them to bless the world, they had forgotten. They were destroyed through lack of knowledge. The more we grow in knowledge of God's Word, the more we can grow in understanding of what's happening in our world. And the more we grow in understanding, the more wisdom we will have to know how to respond to what's happening in our world. One of the things that I wonder about our generation, and when I say our generation, I'm not just talking about whether it's a baby boomer or a Gen X or a Gen Y or a millennial or a Gen Z. I'm talking about the day in which we live. I wonder how much we are in the Word of God, reading the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We need a in an environment where maybe there's a decline in the reading of God's Word, we need to, we need to have a, a sense of, uh, a sense of uh, the importance of God's Word. Because 
when we, if we were to have a revival of the reading of God's Word, I wonder what would happen in the church. I wonder what would happen in our communities. God said, my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. Let's increase. Let's excel in knowledge of God's Word. Because when we do, we will excel in the generosity that flows out of our lives. Fourthly, we're going to ex- if we're going to excel in the grace of giving, we need to excel in earnestness. The word for earnestness translated there is zeal, enthusiasm, diligence, total commitment, eagerness, willingness. Paul says to the Corinthians, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. He said they had an eager willingness, but it needs to be matched by the completion of it. Maybe you're wondering what this guitar is doing here. Well, this is a guitar that I bought in Manny's Guitar Shop, Times Square, New York, in 1992, quite a few years ago. Since then, Manny's Guitar Shop has closed. This is an American-made Strat, Fender Strat, an awesome guitar. I wish I could play it as well as I can hold it now. But the reality is I bought this guitar with some money that my grandmother had left me in her will, and I wanted to learn how to play guitar, electric guitar. I had played acoustic guitar. I bought this guitar at Manny's Guitar Shop, and it was just a great part of, you know, my house and, I would pick it up and play and put headphones on so no one else would be tortured by the sound. But I had made a commitment many years ago. This was in 1992. In the year uh, 2000, I made a commitment to our kingdom builders in Australia. And I had committed, uh, my wife and I had committed to give $1,500 at the time. And that was a lot of money 20 years ago for us. It was a step of faith. And I remember we, I had, we had the eager willingness to do it, but we didn't have the ability to complete it. And I was thinking, how are we going to do? I, I thought, well, maybe we could just go, well, hey, we, didn't, we weren't able to do it this year. But I thought, no, I want to complete this. I made a commitment. I want to complete this. I want to do it. And I have faith that if I do that, that God is going to honor what we do. And so... When it, there was a young guy in the church, his name was Andy Wallace. And Andy used to cast his eyes on my Strat. And he didn't have a Strat, he wanted to buy a Strat. So he bought the Strat from me. I sold it to him along with the amplifier and with the money that I sold the guitar to him for, we gave our commitment to our kingdom builders. It felt good, it involved sacrifice, It involved faith, but I was, my wife and I, Di and I, were earnest in our our desire to complete what we had made a commitment to do. And so I let the guitar go, and in a sense, I cast my bread upon the waters, and Andy Wallace ended up marrying a girl from, uh, from Denmark, and he moved to Copenhagen. And this became one of his many guitars. He's a talented musician. And then 
one day I commented on an Instagram that he posted when he and his brother had got together. And I said, hey, great to see you two together. And he direct messaged me and he said, hey, you remember that guitar that you sold me all those years ago? He said, next time I'm in America or next time you're in, in, in Denmark, I want to give you that guitar back as a gift. And so I was blown away. This guitar that we had, in a sense, cast upon the waters and it had ended up in Denmark was now going to come back to me. And to me, I felt like God saying to me, yes, that's exactly what happens when you are earnest about completing what you've already made a decision to do in your heart. That's what happens when you have a sense of faith in what you do. And the Word of God says, let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season. We shall reap if we do not lose heart. And now all I have to do is I have it at home in my case. All I have to do is learn how to play it. But that's another story. And then the last thing, as the worship team come to the platform, the last thing is love. If we're going to excel in the grace of giving, we're going to need to excel in love. Now, the most well-known passage of Scripture in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Love is the most powerful, motivating force on the planet. And when we are connected to God's love, when we continue to foster that sense of eternal gratitude to God, love, and we're connected to the source of love, love begins to motivate us to want to excel in faith, in speech, in earnestness, in knowledge, in zeal. And I want to encourage you today. God so loved the world that He gave His Son for us. We've got one life to live. Let's live it so that we can excel in every one of those areas. I love what Wendell Smith, who is the father, and he's now in heaven, Judah Smith's dad, who my wife and I knew. He said these words. He said, the love of money is the root of all evil, but the love of people is the root of all giving. I love that. The love of money is the root of all evil, but the love of people is the root of all giving. Let's give. Jesus gave to us. Let's give to those in our world because we love people, and that's the root of all giving. Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled for you, see that you excel in this grace of giving. Let's grow in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness and love, and let's excel in the grace of giving. Can you say amen to that? I want to close by just asking you a question. Whether you know Jesus, if you've never ever had an encounter with Jesus Christ like I did all those years ago, I want to give you an opportunity to do that by simply praying a prayer with me. And as we pray this prayer, I know that God is going to meet you at your point of need. God is going to touch you. God's going God's to make His love and His grace 
real to you. You say, well, what do I have to do? You don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all for you and me on the cross. All we have to do is to ask for his forgiveness. And I want to encourage you today to pray this prayer after me. I know that God's going to meet you right at your point of need. And he's going to bring a transformation to your life in Jesus' name. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me. Give me a brand new start, a fresh beginning. And I believe I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, you've just received Jesus as your Savior. I know God's going to help you. And I want to encourage you on the, on the screen, on your TV screens or whatever device you're on, there's a link there to where we can help you take the next steps. We have a course called Following Jesus that we want to put the material in your hands and let you know when the next course is starting. We'd love you to be a part of that. We're here for you, and we want to help you along the way in your journey. In Jesus' name, amen. In a few moments, our team have a, a song that they're going to sing, during which time we're going to have the opportunity to give our giving for today and give our Thanksgiving offering. I want to take a couple of moments, and if you're on tuning, if you're online, don't tune out now because this is very important and is the way that we can put into practice some of what I've been talking about. Uh, we are now in the, in the season of giving. In case you hadn't noticed, we're, le we're just over four weeks, four weeks and five days from Christmas. Anyone done all your shopping? Anyone got a lot of shopping to do? It's a giving season, and of course, four days away from Thanksgiving. But you know, giving is a time, Thanksgiving's a time when we reflect, not just on giving, but we reflect on what we've received. We can only give because we've received. I love what John uh, the Baptist spoke about his ministry when he was asked about his ministry. He said, made a profound statement. He said, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. And David echoes those words, and I want to read this, this, this psalm that's in, in the book of Chronicles that David wrote because I think it's so powerful. And I want to encourage you to think about our giving and our offering today in light of this. He said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might, and in your, ha in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly to you? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were our, all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to, to build you a house for your holy name 
is from your hand, and it's all your own. David was recognizing that everything he had in life came from God, and that when he was giving God an offering, his thanksgiving offering, he was simply giving back to God what God had given to him. Jesus said, freely we've received, freely give. And the rhythm and the, of life is, if we, if we are going to live and breathe and move with God, we need to understand that there is a rhythm in life. Have you thought, ever thought about the first thing that Adam did after God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living being? You know what the first thing he did was? He breathed out. God breathed in. He came to life. And the first sign of life was that he breathed out. That is a part of the cadence, the rhythm of life. We breathe in. We breathe out. We extend to receive. We close our hands to receive. We open our hand to give. The ebb and flow of life means we receive and we give. And here's the thing, when we stop giving, it impedes the flow of what we receive. And so I want to encourage you as we give this offering, not to do it grudgingly or out of obligation or, well, I guess I have to do something, but to do it out of a sense of gratitude for what God has done for us and for what others have done for us. We are part, we do not live in a vacuum. We live as a part of the continuum of time. And for the last 2,000 years, Jesus gave his life for us. Every one of the apostles gave their lives so that we could know the truth of God's word and God's love. Others have given their time, their talent, their treasure, their lives, their very blood that was shed for the sake of the gospel over generations so that we can enjoy what we enjoy today. All of this equipment that's here, everything that you see was given by people over the last 14 years of the life of our church so we can enjoy it. And now our opportunity is to pave the way for others out of gratitude to God, out of gratitude for what others have done so that we can carry the torch. God forbid that the torch would be dropped, that the baton would be dropped in our generation because COVID-19 happened or because there was a downturn in the economy or because we lost our focus. No, let's be even more zealous. Let's be even more enthusiastic. Let's be even more committed to carrying the torch to the next generation. This is not about us. It's about others. It's about our children and our children's children. And I want to encourage you right now as we prepare. And of course, you're at home and the only way that you can give is online and you can give through push pay or I'm sure going up on the screens or a number of different ways that you can give. But I want to encourage you to really pray. Think about three things. Number one, what God has done for us. Number two, what others have done for us. And number three, the difference that we can make for others. Let's worship God together for a moment and then let's give out of that overflow in Jesus' name. Amen.
Father, we are so thankful for your amazing, extravagant love and grace. And today, Lord, as we give our offerings, our, our tithes, our offerings, and specifically our thanksgiving offering, we are giving today out of an overflow of our gratitude for your amazing grace, your amazing generosity. And we pray, Lord, that what we give would not only be as an overflow of gratitude, but it would be a seed that is sown so that those who are to come in the future, the future generations, those who are to follow, those who we can pave the way for, may know of your love and your grace and your mercy, that your church could be strong and go from strength to strength until the day that you return and establish your kingdom here on earth. Our prayer, Lord, is that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. And I thank you for each and every person who gives in this offering. May you bless them. May the promise of your word come to pass in their life. May, Lord, they see the seed that they sow be multiplied again and again. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. Can you shout an amen from your homes so that we can hear it? And from outside the church building, we love you. So glad you could join us today. And we just want to, I just want to remind you, if you're a kingdom builder or you made a commitment to our 2020 vision for this year, whatever you give will go towards that commitment. And we want to thank you for your generosity. Thank you for what you are doing, which enables us to continue to pave the way for others. We're going to keep you posted as to what's happening next week, week by week. I know outside there uh, was great before I came in. There were an, an, quite a number of people that were out there drinking coffee, connecting. We'd love for you to join us as well. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you today for your grace and your goodness. I pray that your grace, your favor, your goodness would touch each and every person. May your face shine upon us. May you be gracious to us. May you keep, give us peace now and evermore. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. We love you. Appreciate you. So glad you could join us. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. See you next weekend in church. God bless you.